0: Now, this this is easily misconstrued because so many people think that Christianity is a religion, basically meaning there's a list of do's and don'ts. And so basically what I have to do is follow all the do's. And Paul or excuse me, John is saying, if I don't do all the do's and I do some of the don'ts, then I'm a liar and I'm a hypocrite.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think for yourself. We want to grow your critical thinking skills. We want you to grow your faith because with those two things, you're going to be able to live your best life. We can't do it for you, but we can be the guides along the way. My name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host, but the Salty Pastor podcast is not complete without the Salty Pastor himself calling in live (laughs) from Boston, Dr. (laughs) Douglas Peak.
0: Here I am in Beantown, having a good time. So we're just kind of touring New England. We've had a great time up here, and I'm going to be with everybody on this Sunday, and we're going to be in our uh, next installment for Jesus Loves Me, where we're talking about the essentials of the faith following that simple song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, for the Bible Tells Me So. And it's been really interesting to be up here because – This is the cradle in a lot of ways of where America started and where the original cries of Liberty came from. Yeah. Going back to the roots. So it's been good up here. I'm really excited to, uh, be coming back and sharing with everybody this Sunday on the essentials of the Christian faith.
1: So we have been working through those. We we've done the first kind of three parts of the song, Jesus loves me. Mm -hmm. So we're up to, are we doing this, or are we going to take the next little phrase, this I know? (laughs)
0: This I know.
1: All right. So tell us what we know, Pastor.
0: (laughs) Well, the, the essential that the song leads us to is that every single follower must know Jesus personally. You are redeemed. Your soul is brought back to life when you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So, this is really one of the most unique and different parts of any other belief system or of a religion that has ever existed in the history of humanity, and that is most religions, most philosophies, and/or worldviews/slash belief systems call you to simply intellectually accept a set of axioms or truths. And Christianity, though, is completely unique in that it calls you to be born again or to come to know God, who is Jesus Christ, in a personal way. And so this is where Christianity is completely set apart from any other religion and or belief system
1: so everything's kind of revolving around this principle of knowing knowing um, him him, right and that's knowing him that's what we're it's not just knowing random trivia facts for the the bar games or anything like that it's Mm -hmm. about knowing him personally And you're stating that this is very unique to Christianity because basically a lot of the other philosophies and religions don't require that. It's a very unique uh, requirement of Christianity, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's all about knowing, you know. The big question is how do we know God? How do we know that we know God? And it's not some illusion that we're just making up, you know. Scientific materialists, uh, secularists, uh, atheists, they all say the same thing, and that is the idea of God is simply an uh, intellectual construct of the human mind. So it's an illusion that the brain creates. Mm. Uh, of course, this gets into the most critical parts, and this is where the, the greatest criticisms of atheism and scientific materialism Come from, and that is the question of how do you know that you know something? For instance, uh, this is in philosophy; it's called metaphysics, and more specifically, epistemology. Metaph metaphysics is the notion of what is really real or what is true, and then epistemology is a fancy way of saying, "Well, how do you know that it's true?" And so. The, the, the underlying question here for every believer is how do I know that I know God and it's he's not an illusion or there's something that I am making up. And so this is really a, a very important essential of the first century church because they talked about it over and over and over again. Their goal wasn't to come in and try to start another religion and say, well, we're going to dress differently and eat differently so that we have a material outcome that's different than other belief systems, what they discovered was God himself has come to us and has called us back to him. Consequently, what we want to do is we want to know him. And so this was central to the faith. You see it in Paul's admonition to the Philippians in chapter 3, beginning with verse 8, where he says, And then verse 10 is where he really drives it home. He says, I want to know Jesus Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death and so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. So what we see here is Paul basically links everything about following Jesus, that is, being born again, being redeemed, uh, uh, eternal life, new life here on this earth, everything, he links it to knowing Jesus Christ. And so we just don't know things about him, but we actually know him. So the implication here is is pretty clear for today, just like it was 2,000 years ago. Uh, we live in an age where information is so accessible and entertainment is so prevalent and the media so powerful we have the illusion of knowing things so the first step in breaking away from the illusion is to know without a doubt paul says your priorities in life in other words you do this by setting value and so he took everything that he had that he valued before and he said i don't value them anymore I value Jesus above all else. And in doing so, what that did is it broke him away from the illusion that he knew what his life was about, or that he knew what was important in life. So the first step in knowing that you know God is that you reorient your entire value structure. What are the things you value the most in this life? And so Paul is saying, I, the thing I value most is knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I want to know everything that he went through, what he said, who he is, so that I may know the power of his resurrection. And so the second way he states it is that I want to participate in his sufferings. And I think this is a powerful statement that many people— who have tried Jesus or Christianity and they felt like it didn't work for them. Well, the reason why is because it's, it, it cost them nothing. In other words, they wanted to try it like a new theme to see if it solves one of their problems. But what Paul's saying is that I want to know the sufferings and participate in the sufferings of Jesus so that I may become united with him in the likeness of his death. And so what he's saying is in order to shatter this illusion of what the world tells us, we have to value this to the point where it costs us something. But in order to receive it, I, it has to cost me something. And, uh, and the thing that it costs me most than anything else is what are my priorities in life? What is it that I really, truly, honestly value? And that's what Paul's talking about in this passage. He's saying, knowing jesus is the most important thing and that's why we see this essential so critical to the faith
1: so i think the one of the things we see so much is knowing about versus knowing right like yeah uh, we we use the phrase a lot of you need to know jesus but i think a lot of people interpret that as i know about jesus but we're really asking you to know jesus it's similar to the the um uh example we used a few weeks ago where we were talking about you know me running up to say hi to Dwayne Johnson the rock and yeah you know I know everything about you I follow your Instagram account your Facebook I know all these things but I don't know him, like we do not have a relationship. And I think that's the, one of the key points is like, there's, it's knowing about having information, like you talked about in, in today's day and age, you can get information about basically anybody. They don't even have to be a celebrity anymore. You can, you know, look up information about me, about, you know, your neighbor on the internet and find out information that they would not tell you normally. Right. And so you know about them, but you don't necessarily know them. You do not have a connection with them. You do not actually have a relationship with them. And that's what Paul's talking about. That's what you're talking about is that you need to have a relationship so that you know him and he knows you. It's not a one-sided thing. It's not just information gathering.
0: Correct. And I think that's one of the things that uh, we miss. And we miss it unintentionally, but we miss it and it's critical we miss it in the modern church today because the modern church today is very focused on celebrity culture and you know they're very into celebrity leaders of the faith and uh, one of the things that we have to be careful of is that jesus is not interested in being a celebrity in your life you know he he descended into humility He didn't ascend to become a celebrity. He came down to us, humbled himself, and took the form of a servant, and then was obedient to the point of death on a cross. So Jesus came to earth not to be a celebrity. He came to be a sacrifice. And so that's what's really important. And and that is the overriding message of the gospel, is that uh, this I know. I know Jesus and I know that I know Jesus. And so uh John the apostle in his first letter that he wrote, first, second, third John, he addresses this very issue in the church because this issue cropped up real quick. You know, it what didn't take long for people to look at the apostles as celebrities, you know. Wow, if I can just touch one of the apostles and they're connected to Jesus, and then I'm sure I'll be healed too. And so what happened is John then really focuses on this issue uh, in the second chapter of his first letter where he says the following words. Chapter two, verse three of the first book of John, he goes, we know that we have come to know him. Now, isn't that an interesting phraseology? We know that we have come to know him. So what he's saying? How do you know that you have personally met Jesus? He says this. If we keep his commands, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in them or in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did or Jesus lived. Now, this this is easily misconstrued because so many people think that Christianity is a religion, basically meaning there's a list of do's and don'ts. And so basically what I have to do is follow all the do's. And Paul or excuse me, John is saying, if I don't do all the do's and I do some of the don'ts, then I'm a liar and I'm a hypocrite. Mm. He says, well, that's not what John is saying. And your your paradigm through which you read this is critically important. OK, let's kind of rephrase it a little bit in this way. Let's say you fall in love and you marry the person of your dreams. All right. And so what John is saying, if you say that I am in love and I am married to the woman of my dreams, then you are going to live in a way that is consistent with values that proposition. So what if we read this a little bit differently to try to understand what John is trying to communicate? For instance, if I had found the woman of my dreams and then I married her and I said, this is my soulmate. I love her. And so because that is a experience in my life, it's a reality, then I'm going to align all of my values. I'm going to align all of my goals with her in mind. I'm not going to keep going out to uh, social events or bars and try to flirt with other girls if I found my soulmate. So if you see Christianity is just a moral code or, or a religion of do's and don'ts, then you're going to read what John wrote through a certain set of eyes that are going to give you confusion. Right. But if you know if you know Jesus and you know that the point is to know him relationally, then what you're going to do is you're going to follow his commands And so, well, what are his commands? Are his commands, oh, you got to eat this and not listen to this, and you got to do that, and you got to do this? Well, no, his commands are that we love one another, that we sacrifice for one another, that we try to uh, build community with one another. One of the most famous commands of Jesus Christ is that we love God with our heart, mind, body, and soul, and we love one another as we love ourselves, So you see, when you read that, you read what John is saying, and it starts to make more sense because, oh, this is how I know that I know Jesus personally, because the orientation of my life has changed. It's not about following rules. It's about personifying true, authentic love, first for Jesus and then for my other believers and then for the world.
1: Well, I, I think this really is such a important essential because knowing Jesus is such a different, like you said, it's so different from so many other faiths or religions and, and in that it's asking you to really know and have a relationship. Most other, um, belief systems are all talking about, you know, sacrifice this, do that, wear these. Yep. Yeah. Don't compliance yeah it's it, and it's it's a bunch of rules but they're never inviting you to go hey i want to have a one-on-one conversation with you right it's always mm-hmm. i'm gonna sit up here you do the things i told you to and i won't do x to you when you die basically correct. is correct kind of the idea right mm-hmm. and so it's mm-hmm. like this call that jesus and god offer of i want to have a relationship with you is truly unique to christianity
0: absolutely unique and and you know jesus personified it in john chapter 10 verse 14 where he said this he what happened let me set this up just a little bit is the pharisees came to him and said you know they were trying to get him for blasphemy and just say well tell us you're the messiah and if he were to say yes then they could run to the roman authorities and say ah you have a rebellion on your hands another messiah and if you're familiar with history In the period between the last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, and when Jesus was born in the Gospel of Matthew starts, uh, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was a period of 400 years. So think about that. It was a long time. I mean, America is only 200 and what, you know, 50 years old, 245 years old, something like that. So during that period of time... There was uh, a guy by the name of uh, Judas, and he was a Maccabean. So they called him Judas uh, and the Maccabees. And they were the most uh, probably successful rebellion against Rome and rule. And he called himself the Messiah. So anytime there were a bunch of zealots that wanted to rebel against Rome, they called themselves the Messiah. So the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus in a trap and say— Tell us you're the Messiah. And he says, well, even if I told you you wouldn't believe me, he goes, because you don't know me. Mm. And he goes, look, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. That's really important. He goes, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So then he goes on to talk about they know my voice. So the, the end goal of what it means to be born again and to become a follower of Jesus is to know the voice of God. That's what it is. It's, it's to really understand the voice of God in your life. Now, people misconstrue this all the time uh, because we have a celebrity culture that has seeped into Christianity. A lot of people are like, well, you know, I can't be an authentic Christian because God's never spoke to me in his voice. And I've had people come and ask me about this. You know, they're very despondent and so forth. And I would say, well, you mean you've never heard an audible voice from God? And they said, no, I've never heard an audible voice from God. And I said, well, neither have I. You have to learn to discern the voice of God, and sometimes God speaks to you in a unique and special way, very clearly. Other times, He speaks to you through the Word. He speaks to you through other people who you're close to and uh, have your best interest in mind. Uh, Like, for instance, here's a great story. You know, people who come to the church are uh, there. Are is located in 9655 West State Street, in Boise, Idaho, and so it's kind of a main thoroughfare there. And when we first moved out here in 1996, uh, we were in a little tiny building locked away in this back subdivision. And the church had kind of outgrown its uh, space. And so we tried to raise some money in order to uh, expand. And it was a total failure. We raised zero dollars and everything. So so Kim and I were really kind of sad. And it was kind of a winter time, in uh Boise so it's kind of rainy and kind of cold and she says well let's go out and get there's this cafe way out in Star Middleton that serves Midwest food and so we went out to dinner to get some food and so we had to drive down State Street all the way out to Middleton and so we ate and we were coming back and we were just kind of quiet you know uh and we were driving back and we drove by this abandoned property on State Street And my wife looks at me, and she says, God just told me he's going to give us that building. And I looked at her, and with my wisdom and my maturity in the faith, I said to her, are you nuts? (laughs) She says, no, I'm serious. God spoke to me. I didn't hear an audible voice. I don't think she heard an audible voice. But she knew in her spirit that God had just spoken to her. And so guess what? She was right, and I was wrong. <laughs> and that's why we have this building today. We, we actually got into that building. We swapped properties for no money. And, and uh, we started to kind of remodel it. And, of course, the remodel projects have never stopped. Right. And, but, but, see, that's a perfect example is that over the years, my wife trained herself to know the voice of God. Now, it's really interesting because I've known my wife for over 34 years, and I think she said that twice, maybe three times since I've known her. And so, boy, when she says that, you know, I really take, ooh, boy, I better listen. And the reason why is because, number one, she doesn't go around saying, well, God told me this. You know, God told me to have Wheaties for breakfast. She doesn't do that. She doesn't uh, devalue it. But what she does do is she's trained herself to hear the voice of God. So through prayer and through uh, uh, reading and meditating on the word of God, we attune ourselves. And so John is very poignant here when he says, uh, quoting Jesus, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. They know my voice. And so one of the most important things for you and for me as a follower of Jesus is we need to come to a assurance that we know that we know him personally. We just don't know about him, but we know him personally. And that's really a big deal.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think that is one of the most important essentials. I mean, these are all essentials, but I think that's the one that sometimes is harder to wrap our minds around. Um, As followers, it's sometimes easy to get lost in the weeds on that one. And so I'm really excited to keep this conversation going on Thursday's podcast. We're going to dive into that a little bit more. Um, I'm excited for you to be back into preaching on Sunday, get you back up on that stage and hear what you have to say. Mm -hmm. But we just really appreciate you guys joining us, um, to, to listen and, and learn more from, um, pastor peak. And as we kind of wrap up, I just want to encourage you guys to have conversations, you know, as you're thinking about these things, think about, you know, am I attuning to God? Do I know him? Or am I just having a You know, do I just know about him? You need to start asking your questions about that to yourself. Um, and then you can start. Moving out and start talking to your family and see if they really know him or if they just know about him. So I would encourage you to start evaluating that. This is a very interactive. You always have homework when you listen to the Salty Pastor podcast. <laughs> yes, you um, have homework. It's either you know conversations or internal dialogue or meditation. But um, you know we, we we don't want you just passively engaging with us. We want you to be out there and doing stuff. So um, yeah,
0: and I think you know before before we sign off, I just want to say is that the pre- purpose of the salty pastor, why we say, you know, we're not here to tell you what to believe or what to think is because of this essential. I mean, this is it. This is why we do it this way. And that is, is that we want you to have the assurance, the absolute unequivocal conviction that, you know, God, that, you know, his voice right? That doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean you become a perfect person. It doesn't mean that sometimes you listen to that part of you that can be stupid. But what it does mean is that you know, even in your imperfections, that you've been redeemed by God. That's called assurance of salvation. And that's what we want you to have. I want you to know that no matter what happens, whatever challenge you face that you will never go through it alone because you know the voice of Jesus. You know that he is your good shepherd and that he is with you. And this is critically important for you to know Jesus personally. And here's why. Because this world fills our heads with all kinds of things. I tell myself stuff all the time that's just plain stupid. And if I listen to that, if I receive those those messages in my head, then what happens is I'm not listening to the voice of God. I'm listening to the voice of the world. Mm -hmm. And that right there alone is a thing that will undermine me more than anything else and destroy me as a human being. You see, this is why I always say that people who know Jesus and walk with him are the most confident and courageous people out there. That doesn't mean that they don't have negative thoughts they don't have anxiety or depression now and then or they lack self-confidence. It doesn't mean anything at all like that you have those experiences but you you know that those aren't the truth. you know that those are not things that you listen to. What you do is you listen to the voice of your good shepherd and just like uh, Zach was saying last week what does the voice of the shepherd always say? He always says, as the creator of the universe, you are the center of my cosmic plan because I love you. And so, man, when you start to not just, you know, know about that, but you actually know that to be true, that's when your life really starts to change.
1: Absolutely. Well... Please meditate on these thoughts. Um, Talk with uh, your spouse, your family members, and really start thinking about this essential because we're going to pick it up back on Thursday. And we're just so glad you guys are joining us here on the Salty Pastor Podcast.
0: All right. Blessings, everyone.